0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race, hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, where we bring you the news and conversations that matter most in your day-to-day life. Until last Friday, every post-Roe abortion ban came from state laws that were already on the books before the Supreme Court's decision in June. After Roe was overturned, those old laws just went back into effect. Now, Indiana has become the first state to pass a new law targeting abortion. The law, which goes into effect September 15th, is a near total ban.
2: The body inside of the mom's body is not her body. Not her body. Not her choice.
1: When medicine is criminalized, physicians are scared to do the jobs they're trained to do. And that absolutely impacts patient care. If you're
2: pro-life, you can't be happy. If you're pro-choice, you can't be happy. I don't know who left here happy. All I know is people need to go out and vote in November.
1: Those were two Indiana lawmakers and a health care provider. Shafali Luthra is a gender and health care reporter for The 19th, a nonprofit newsroom focusing on gender, politics, and policy. So the last time you and I spoke back in the fall, you told us about COVID vaccines for pregnant people. Now it looks like you're reporting almost exclusively on abortion. Is that right? It's hard to think about much else these days. Yeah, a lot lot going on there. How would you characterize the, the state of abortion rights right now in this country?
0: Everything is changing so fast. We're really living in unprecedented times, right? It just, I mean, June 24th, the day that Roe v. Wade was overturned, feels like yesterday. It also feels like, in some ways, it was a lifetime ago, right? Since then, we've seen 14 states begin to enforce abortion bans, right? The majority of those are total bans on the procedure with limited exceptions here and there. And it's just created a really massive. Disruption in the healthcare system. We are seeing patients travel hundreds of miles out of state to try and access abortions, spending thousands of dollars. Abortion funds are really strapped for cash. Clinics are overwhelmed. They don't have the resources, and everything is happening so fast. There are myriad legal questions that we just don't have the answers to yet.
1: Yeah. Well, give us a picture, Shafali, of, of where we are today. How many states currently have total or near-total abortion bans?
0: 14 states have either a total ban, a six-week ban, or in the case of Florida, a 15-week ban of of, of abortions on the books. And what that means, right, is most or all abortions are not allowed in 14 out of 50 states in the country. Some of these, like Texas, right, Texas is the third largest state in the United States. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing is is this is really difficult to overstate how disruptive it is, right? Um, I mean, I've been talking to abortion clinicians in New Mexico and in Illinois and in Colorado who are saying they used to be able to see patients in some cases fairly quickly, and now they're booking patients three to four weeks out because they just don't have the staff, they don't have the space, and they don't have the time to see everyone who is calling them from Texas or Oklahoma Mm -hmm. or Kentucky or somewhere else trying to access an abortion and what's really striking is that, at least for now, the the crush of patients is focused on a handful of states that are kind of surrounded, right, by these places that have restricted access, right? And that's why Kansas is so important. That's why Colorado is so important. And it's why Illinois is so important, right? You have right. these states that maintain abortion protections and are completely or virtually completely surrounded by states that have banned access to the procedure. And it's just, we are going to see at least immediately, and we are seeing right now, a really, really potent strain on resources strain is perhaps too weak a word in, in these states, whereas in New York and Maine, they say, yeah, they are seeing patients who are traveling from Texas, from Oklahoma, et cetera, which is incredibly far, but it's far fewer. And the wait times are not nearly as long for patients accessing abortions in those states as they are in these these sanctuaries.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and because this is state by state, Shafali, not all abortion bans have the same restrictions, right? Parental consent, for instance.
0: What is that? Parental consent is, it's tricky, right? Because what it does is for minors, it essentially says if you are under 18, your parent, in some cases, needs to consent to the abortion and others, they just need to be notified. And if you are a minor and you say, my parents, you know, cannot be notified, cannot be told about my abortion, you can appeal this to a judge. And what happens then is it, the process of judicial pi- bypass, it can be quick. It can take a week or two. And especially in states with a six-week ban, for instance, every week is really precious. You often don't find out that you've conceived until maybe week four at the earliest if you're really careful about monitoring your menstrual cycle. Right. And so these, these waiting periods, they can be really onerous. And one that I have been just really struck by comes out of West Virginia, where they have not yet passed an abortion ban. They are perhaps on track to follow Indiana and become the second state to ban abortion in the post-real world, the bill that they are conferencing right now in the state house, it would require minors who are experiencing ectopic pregnancies mm-hmm. to wait 48 hours after their parent has been notified for an abortion. And as we know, an ectopic pregnancy is a medical emergency and doctors whom I've spoken to are just absolutely terrified about what this could mean for yeah. the teenagers they're serving.
1: Well, help me understand. Do you just need one parent here? Like, what if one parent gives permission and the other doesn't? How does that work?
0: That can that can be good enough. Um I mean you need the document notarized, you need yeah, it really just says one parent. So that in theory should be fine. But it still can be a really significant risk for, for instance, someone, right, who doesn't feel safe telling their parents for reasons of religious stigma, for instance, for cultural discomfort with abortion, any any host of considerations that might deter a minor from wanting to tell their parent about something that were it any other medical procedure, they would have their right to privacy.
1: Many states have laws that impact abortion funding, right? And some even ban private insurance from funding abortions. Can you just talk briefly about that?
0: This predates Roe being overturned. um, Medicaid, right, which is the public health insurance program for low-income people. If states want Medicaid to fund abortion, then they have to put the money up themselves. And largely only blue states do that. And what we've seen in, in redder states that are more abortion restrictive is they have Passed laws as well that just make it very, very difficult for private insurance to cover abortions. And so what we see is that in practice, very few people who are trying to get an abortion have an insurance plan that will pay for it. This has a host of implications, right? Abortions are around minimum $600, 650 but they can cost more than 1000 depending on what kind of abortion you're getting, how late in pregnancy you are. This is by definition an unplanned expense that Again, in these states that are already more restrictive, we are and have been seeing for years already, patients have to take that on out of pocket. I I remember one woman I spoke to in Texas told me that she used the money she'd been saving up to buy a house to pay for her abortion.
1: Yeah, I can believe that. Let's add another voice to the conversation. WBEZ's Michael Puente, who covers Northwest Indiana. Hi, Michael.
2: Hey, good morning or good afternoon, Sasha.
1: You've, uh, you've been spending time in Indiana the past few weeks. Let's listen, first of all, to what you've been hearing from lawmakers. This decision will disproportionately affect young women, women in poverty, women of color in rural areas and women who don't have the support system that
2: some people are fortunate to have. This idea that we can save lives from this, there is no guarantee we save one life. We will always have more work to do because we need to make it unimaginable to end an unborn baby's life. It's about sending an implicit but undeniable message
0: to Hoosier women that your value is in your ability to get pregnant and
2: be controlled by men.
1: So what did things look like leading up to this ban passing the state legislature, Michael?
2: Well, it looked like like a lot of parts of the country rallies by folks in favor of uh, choice and those anti choice, you know, Indiana didn't have a trigger law, so it was already set up for a special session at the State House to deal with taxes. But once Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court, the General Assembly, you know, which is controlled by the Republicans, wasted no time to meet to become the first state to meet to impose new restrictions on abortion. So it it was sort of just like the rest of the country, very heated debates.
1: Does that sound similar to what you've been hearing in your reporting, Shafali?
0: Absolutely. And I mean,
1: I think you put it really
0: well, right? Whenever we see a fight over abortion rights on the state level, the, the passion is really intense on, on all sides of the issue, right? You see large protests, you see rallies, you see just incredible attention from folks who deeply believe that abortion should be banned and those who are very concerned about the implications this will have for the people who lose the option for health care.
1: So, Michael, the uh, Indiana ban that will go into effect in September on the 15th, as we mentioned, talk more about how strict it really is.
2: Well, it it bans most abortions so like say if a couple decides that maybe now is not the right time to have a baby you just simply cannot have an abortion some people have described it as abortion on demand well that's not allowed now under under so abortion is basically banned at, at 0 weeks uh but there is exceptions for rape and incest but even those victims have only up until 10 weeks to end their pregnancies yeah. And there's also exceptions for the long, long-term long health and life of the mother and for what's called fatal-fetal anomalies.
1: The uh, abortion clinics in Indiana, what does this mean for them?
2: Well, it means they won't be able to perform abortions. It's, uh, an abortion will have to be performed at a hospital or an outpatient uh, surgical center by a doctor. Um, so these abortion clinics cannot perform abortions, but... From a statement I read from Planned Parenthood, they are going to continue to have their abortion while well, their clinics are providing other services beyond abortion.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, of course, this exception for, for rape, incest, and if the pregnancy threatens the life of the parent or of mm-hmm. the child. How does that actually work legally, though, Michael? Like, how are people expected to prove rape or prove incest?
2: Well, Sasha, there was a there's a lot of debate going on over that about having approved that. There was a there was a debate whether they should have a uh, a uh, affidavit signed by the victim. All that was taken out, so the law is actually kind of moot on that. Now, as far as uh, the the doctor determining that uh, whether the mother's life is at risk, yeah, you know, that has to come from the doctor, and the, the doctor is subject to criminal penalties if. Uh, if he's if fabricating the story. But mm-hmm. uh, there was one Republican lawmaker who actually voted against the bill who, well, he voted for a number of reasons, but that was some of his concerns. A lot of this stuff, there is no proof that needs to be made. So that's one of the reasons why he voted against it. Yeah.
1: Shafali, this <laughs> I, I know is consistent with what you're seeing in, in other states. Talk about some other exceptions that are common in these abortion bans right now.
0: So these are the most common ones. The the fetal anomaly one that Michael mentioned is fairly uncommon. Most states that have abortion bans haven't included this particular exception. But what I the point that I think is really important about the exceptions for rape, for incest, for the life of the pregnant person is that they're really difficult to implement. And what we've seen over the years is that when a rape or incest exception exists, reporting is really low right people don't often talk about the fact that they have experienced some kind of sexual assault and that means that in practice they are less likely to get that exception when it comes to life threatening circumstances right this is not really a precisely defined medical term and and as we heard right the the burden is on the doctor to make a judgment and if they are found to be wrong they are subject to criminal penalties and what i have heard from physicians is that they are really scared that They might see a patient that they know will get worse if they don't get an abortion, but they can't do anything until the patient is truly about to die. Otherwise, there is a risk that someone could say the life wasn't threatened in this situation. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Michael, I know that you are, of course, talking with Indiana lawmakers. Um, You're hearing, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, from from activists. What are you expecting in the weeks and months to come here?
2: Well, the interesting thing I'm looking at is the business fallout. A couple of major companies in Indiana have already come out with statements saying, "Hey, look, um, like Eli Lilly saying Eli Lilly's a big major pharmaceutical based in Indianapolis saying, you know, we may not be able to expand in Indiana because of this bill. It's going to impact us that greatly. So back in 2015, Indiana had a fight over the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It's going to it's going to be interesting to see how lawmakers respond to any potential economic fallout from this. Now, the law is going to go into effect and they'll just have if they have to make changes. Yeah, it will likely come until January, February of next year.
1: Uh, that was Shefali Luthra, who is a gender and health care reporter for the 19th. And Michael Puente is, of course, a WBEZ reporter. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's it for today's Reset podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for news you can depend on, whether it's the latest on state and city politics or abortion updates. And please give us a rating and review. It really helps folks like you find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow afternoon.